I have come here to chew bubblegum and listen to the Gonox Layer podcast. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Nice. That's a reference to one of the things we're going to talk about in part two, isn't it? Yes. This is part two. It is. How are you doing? Good break? I'm good, I Yeah. yeah. What do you do when you break? Anything exciting? No, I listen to you tell us a, a story. A, a ripping yarn. <laughs> and then you... Uh, told me a ripping yarn right back, didn't you? I can't remember. And then we laughed. We tossed our head back and we <laughs> laughed at the misfortunate. But in this episode, we're not going to be tossing anything. Uh, <laughs> Good to hear that, actually. <laughs> might be a little bit of laughs, though, mm-hmm. because it's all about the John Carpenter, the John Carpenter, Mr. JC. Yeah. We're talking about some of the games that have been inspired by his uh, works and then the movies that have been made by him, I suppose you could say. Yes. Very prolific Gentlemen, mm-hmm. at times. Um, before we get stuck into the... We're going to start with the games, then we'll move on to the movies, because there's oh, not as many games. There isn't, no. And uh, think about think about the games bit as is, 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 is an appetizer to the main course of the movies. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll think of it like that. Think about it now? Yeah. Yeah. And we before we start doing that, though, let's talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, the John Carpenter Anthology Tour. Oh, yeah. that recently, didn't we? Mm-hmm. It was... October, mm-hmm. towards the end of October, and it was him and his band of Merry Men yeah. playing a lot of the themes from the different movies that he's written, he scored himself, yeah. but also some of his his own, he called it the songs or the theme tracks from the, or the themes from the movies of your mind, Yeah, which is a nice way of putting it. I got them two albums a while back. You did, and you and you loaned them to me. The the great, I think. I think they're fantastic. I love retro sim stuff, and he's like a master. At it. Yeah, no, I really do enjoy both of those albums. Very, very good stuff. What do you think of the the evening in question? I thought um, because it was off the bat of being ill, it's the first gig I ever I've ever went to where I haven't had a drink, so I can remember it really well. Yeah, I thought. Negative side wise, it was a little bit overpriced because he was he wasn't on stage for like yeah. a, a great time, long time. But I thought he, it was great. I I, I thought uh, they really nailed because we'd seen Goblin before, mm, me and you. Yes, and um, I always draw this parallel because for anyone who doesn't know who Goblin are, they do a lot of the music for um, Dario Gentle's music mm-hmm. uh, films. In fact, I I believe Dario was it. He might have been in the band at one point. Oh, really? I don't know on that one. But, um... It sounds just crazy enough to be true. Yeah. If it isn't, just edit that out of the podcast. Nah. Okay. <laughs> so when we seen Goblin at the back, behind, they had clips from the the films. That's right. Now, Go- Dario Gentle, he worked with Romero on um, Dawn of the Dead, so yeah. they played like that, so they played like Tenebrae, Sus- uh, Suspiria, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But what the really ballsed up with the Goblin thing, I felt, was... I'll use Tenebrae as an example. The tune to Tenebrae, the main theme, is amazing. And there's one scene in that movie where it... The killer's trying to get into um, an apartment. Mm-hmm. And it follows the... Um, it, it, it shows the killer looking at possible ways of entry of getting into the, into the, the apartment. Yeah. And that's set to the music... Is just excellent it, in the film. Yes, it, right. Okay. It follow it, it. They're both married together so yeah. well. 
But yet, when they were playing live, it was just two dudes talking on a phone. That was the clip I chose. Uh, yeah. And I don't understand why they've done that. Yeah. Carpenter was much better. Mm. The, the clips are showed mm. might not have been like particular scenes, mm-hmm. but they were like edited together, which made like it just really added to the. So it told the story of the film in a, a highlight reel almost, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought Mebby's, when he played compositions which weren't on films, mm-hmm. like the ones we talked about, Mebby's should have done something in the background. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, something, some I was sort of imagery. jokingly thinking, just have John Cartner's head spinning around 360. <laughs> like, but, like, obviously, yeah. they didn't do that. Like a screensaver. Yeah. Like. <laughs> just bouncing in the corners. Yeah. Yeah. All the, like, nap-way screensavers used yeah. to do that, yeah. Like that old DVD one where... Uh, there's a video I've seen online where there's this. It's I think it's used on um, coaches and stuff like that in America. Mm-hmm. And there's the video where the, the DVD symbol bounces around the screen, and once in a blue moon, it, it bounces directly in the corner. And the video is of all these people watching, going, "Oh!" And it gets the corner, like, yeah, and then bounces out. So yeah, it could just have John Carpenter's head just bouncing around the screen. Or you could have like um, Pong. Yeah, playing, and uh, his, head. <laughs> his head or Space Invaders, where they're just all John Connor's faces. But uh, I thought the the crowd was very nerdy. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I really liked it. What, what did you feel about it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a good night out. It was um, like you say, having the imagery behind with the music. Just it was a nice, complete experience. I think, especially with the the, the popular themes that we know. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he did the quote from Big Trouble in Little China before that played yeah. about the um, the checks in the mail. And he dedicated... Did he dedicate uh, They Live when they played that? Did he dedicate it at Rowdy Roddy Piper? I'm not sure. Ah, oh, I don't mm, know. I don't know. You know that quote that I started the... Yeah, that's that really was, it, isn't it? That was actually Roddy Piper. <laughs> Rowdy. 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 <laughs> He he came up with that. Did he really? Apparently, I just I watched a few um, interviews with Carpenter leading up to this podcast, and um, he had stuff that he would say on stage, like right. as part of his wrestling. Ah, okay. And that was one of them. And John Carpenter thought it was good to put it in the film, like a callback almost. They all wore sunglasses as well for that when they played it. That's as right. Reference to That's the film right. that they wear the glasses to see. But we'll talk a bit more about that film in time. Yeah. I thought. Um, the big trouble in Little China, like tune, mm-hmm. that and um, Prince of Darkness mm-hmm. were particular highlights for me, mm-hmm. mainly because I think they changed them a little bit from the film. Right. I thought uh, the big trouble in Little China composition, which I bought the CD off Amazon afterwards because uh-huh. I had such a good time. I wanted to hear like the composition of that with the kind of chugging guitar and that really weird like melody at the end with on the guitar which mm-hmm. must be a nightmare to like keep in time because it's a very all of his stuff's very precise isn't it it's very yeah. on the beat and uh-huh. stuff so because of that i just i, I thought they were class like yeah. really good so no i really i did enjoy it yeah i'm glad that i'm glad that i went mm-hmm. and on the back of that kelly got me tickets to see war of the worlds uh in December for my birthday. Oh, lovely. Which uh, should be classed as something I wanted to see for years. Yes, yeah. Like, it's a spectacular show. That's at the, the Metro Radio Arena. The chances of anything coming from Mars is a million to one. 
They sing. But still they can't. Yes. <laughs> Is that a partridge quote? It sort of. Sort of, yeah. Nice one. Got to get at least one in every episode, don't uh, we? Stop before Dennis bike. <laughs> yeah, is there anything else you want to say about that wonderful show? No, it, it, it spurred what to do this, though, didn't it? It absolutely did, yeah. Uh, I was, I'm glad because we were going to do this run originally in September, but we changed it to now, and I'm glad we did because we got to see the show. Me too, yeah. Uh, before we uh, recorded, so we had a chance to mm-hmm. get stuck deep into John Carpenter <laughs> wonder if you'd enjoy that so if you're listening John this one's for you mate yes what's that Ross you want to know about some John Carpenter games okay definitely do yeah. okay then do it. start off with a giant bomb interview giant bomb is a gaming fanzine or something I don't know but uh yeah so this is what John Carpenter said should I do the accent Okay. Um, no. My son got me into it. My son got me interested in console video games. He said mm-hmm. the first game I remember playing obsessively was Sonic the Hedgehog. I have many favourite games. Borderlands Two is spectacular. I love Bioshock, the Dead Space series, The Last of Us. Dot dot dot. Horror has been a large part of Carpenter's life. He said that while he enjoys horror games like Silent Hill, he plays strictly for fun. I don't think about the mechanics of horror games. I just immerse myself. He said. I'm sure that's the quote. I'm, I'm sure that. Um, he said at some point he would like to make a Dead Space movie or something oh, really? like that, I think. The funny thing about Carbon, and I put John Landis in on this group as well, is growing up when I was really interested in horror and stuff, watching a lot of documentaries, he would always be a person rolled out to mention, to talk about stuff. John Carbon. John Carbon and Landis. Oh. And because of that, I feel like... I feel like I know him more than I actually do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when I seen him live, he was reading from a he was reading from a script, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. They keep, but then Newcastle, the fog fucked up. That's right. Uh, the belched in loads of um, dry ice mm-hmm. and like yeah, class for the mm-hmm. fog, and then it fucked up. But he kind of he was quick with it though, wasn't he? Yeah, his computer shut down or something. He said, "Does anyone know any dirty jokes or something like that?" Didn't he? And then, of course, some Geordie shouted something out. Probably. Well, what was funny before that was somebody said, it's in the fog. Yeah. So that was quite funny. That was yeah. one of the few nerdy things that someone shouted out that was funny. <laughs> I was sitting next to someone who kept going, oh, mm, what, yeah, like, here we go. Oh, oh this oh, one. Yeah, I know yeah. this one. And then yeah. when they played, what I think it was uh, Village of the Damned. Uh-huh. Yeah, he went, oh, I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> if you're listening, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Aye. So let's talk about the games. Metal Gear Solid, what do you know about that link? Uh, Snake mm-hmm. is Snake Plissken from Escape from LA and New York. New York! I'm escaping here! <laughs> that's what he'd say. That is quite good, Tom. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. Um, yeah, that's it, really. That's all we need to say, I suppose. I think the um, Metal Gear games did heavily borrow from like action movies from the... Uh, 80s, didn't they? Like, American ones. Tactical espionage. That's what the tagline of Metal Gear Solid was, wasn't it? Have you seen the front cover? The the, the very first game? Not the very first one, no. It's, it's The guy on it looks like fucking him out of Alien. Uh, uh, not Alien, sorry. Terminator. Um, the, uh, Kyle Reese? Yes. Right, okay. Looks like, yeah, is it a real image of a, a human being? From what I remember, I'm starting to doubt myself now. Oh, mate, don't doubt yourself. It's a gun and say a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. 
We Aye. played the tits off this for the Serial Killer special episode uh, 27.5. Yes. So if you want to hear our thoughts in depth about that, listen to that. Don't listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. 27.5 was better. But it was a C64, I think we played it on, maybe? No, it was a Atari 2600 mm-hmm. game, I believe. In your dee 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 Over and over again. And Michael Michael Myers, he... He tried to get you, didn't he, with his knife, and you had to rescue the kids and get them out of there ASAP. Ah. That was basically, yeah. Very primitive. Uh-huh. Escape from New York. C64. Uh-huh. English version, though. Ah. There is a German version, which... This is what we played. Uh, fans of the podcast will have heard we play that in the first part. Uh-huh. If you're coming into this hot in episode, part two of right. episode 40, and you haven't listened to part one, back up. Uh-huh. Beep, beep. Beep, back up the pork chop express. Oh, he's done it. <laughs> oh, but I messed it up a little bit though, didn't oh. I? I didn't say it quite cleanly, but it doesn't matter. So back it up, like a Tonka truck, and listen to part one. But yeah, there's an English version. Is there? Uh, which I couldn't find in, in my massive collection of uh, cassettes. Your warehouse and of stuff. games. Yeah. So I think though the English version was made in like 1999 for some weird. Uh, competition or something like that maybe I okay. don't know maybe but that's one to look into if the listeners want to do because we're not doing that Aye. it's too hard to find out facts in this age of fake news nope. but the uh, the, the <laughs> German version Die Klapperschlanger I think it was called oh, yeah. that was 1984 that came out I believe and Big Trouble in Little China we just played that and discussed it 1986 that was uh-huh. really mm. so when that game does have 984 on I was like why has it got 984 on and mm-hmm. the reason the obvious reason is it was made in 1984 well I find that hard to I find that a bit weird then because that game's actually not bad for 1984 then Die it? yeah it's in fact it's miles better than Escape Big Trouble in Little China yeah which yeah. is just bad on every level what does it say like print, like a shit Prince of Persia or something like that the no escape bit aye yeah with a big hands fist in you the fog. Now they made f- a game of the fog. Well, at first when I saw this, when I thought it was named after the JC movie, I'm going to refer to him as JC. Aye. Yeah. yeah. However, the description says: "Open your way across a dark, open world and fight against what lives within the fog and beyond." Open your way across a dark, open world. What does that mean? Have you proofread this? I don't know what that means. I copied and pasted it. So. Uh. Could you have made a mistake in the copying and and paste them? Possibly. Said thing. Very possibly. The Fog is a survival horror game inspired on the 1980 novella The Mist by Stephen King. Right, so it's written uh, by a moron. The Fog is a survival horror game inspired on the 1980. Yeah, I, right, okay, uh, I'm understanding what's happening here. Looks absolutely terrible, this is me now. Uh-huh. Uh, but a bit like the cornfield left for dead. <laughs> a bit like the cornfield level of left for dead. Right, that's right, what yeah. I'm going to say there. That was actually me to type that, so you I, know. Know, I can't type properly. Uh, yeah, but it looks shit, so that's interesting. I think they probably went, oh, we'll call it The Fog, because we need to have an excuse for how shit these graphics are. Mm. <laughs> Sentinel Returns. Aye. That was uh, on the PC 1998. He composed the music for this game. Yeah. And it's good. I like the music. It's banging, isn't it? It's, it's, it's him. It's a very, 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 very peculiar puzzle game. Looks a bit like chess in hell, but the music's wonderful. It's weird. I didn't understand. I watched a video of it and I didn't understand what the person was doing. It's first person. Mm-hmm. And you've got to look at something, then do something, and then look somewhere else, and you sort of transport around and stuff. Looked shit. 
Mate, it looked shit, but... That was a PC game from when? 1998. You see that period in, in PC gaming where it was very... in like. If you look at that point in time in PC gaming, it, it had its very own identity. Mm-hmm. And I feel um, a lot of them games were very complex. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe your primitive console mind couldn't get your head around it all. Very possibly. I didn't realise you were part of the PC Master Race. Because that's the sort of condescending bullshit to say to you, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it's not a bad game, actually. It's a very, it's a very interesting game once you understand it. Uh, yeah, game. consoles are for babies. <laughs> I love your PC gamers. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to The Thing, PlayStation 2, 2002. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this game before, have we? Uh-huh. He actually played uh, Dr. Faraday in that game. Oh, did he? Mm. Nice one. Anything else you want to say about that game that we haven't said already? No, I mean, if I had more time in my life, and if somebody wants to sponsor us, mm-hmm. I would play for that game again. Mm-hmm. But I don't, so I won't. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that it's one of the games that come to backwards compatible for Xbox original games, because that would be pretty sweet. I'd play that. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about this one? Snake Pliskin's First Escape. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Think about that one, huh? Interesting. It sounds very interesting. Mm. How do I play this game? Yeah, you really can't because it was cancelled. Thanks. <laughs> Most footage looks like they put a Snake Plissken skin over the <laughs> Dead to Rights game. Right. Uh, looks like it could have been quite an accomplished game, actually, if it were, if they released it. So that's my thoughts on that. But it was. Um, it had some. I think it had like some pretty cool, uh, like sort of ways to kill people, like you would sort of throw someone in the ground and then kill them, shoot them in the head or something like that. Like, it had some pretty interesting... what What's... Like, execution moves, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it didn't look like it was taken straight from the film, though, like, because he didn't kind of... Although he was a bit of a badass in that. Mm-hmm. In Escape from New York, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he didn't really have, like, martial arts skills and stuff like that. I think he thought he had. Yeah, yeah. We all do think we do, though, don't we? Mm-hmm. Like, inside my head, if I got into a fight, I'd be like... Yeah. And just blocking shit all over the left, right, and the centers and that. But I wouldn't. I'd just be sparked uh, right out in fencing uh, response. It's the same. Final game. Second final game, sorry. Second to last. Should okay. have a word for that. Yeah. Uh, penultimate game, Fear 3, 2011. He was a narrator mm-hmm. and a storyline consultant. That, I'd seen that. Now, I've I played Fear 1 and 2, yep. but I never got around to playing Fear 3. Uh-huh. And I link it very similar to Crisis 3. Mm-hmm. So I'd played Crisis 2 and was... There were these... Crisis... Now, I'm sorry if people think Crisis is good because they might have played it on the, on the PC. Mm-hmm. But on the console, it was just mediocre, I thought. And it was the same with Fear 2. It was mediocre. Yeah. But at that point in time, I used to... I play more games than I do now. Mm-hmm. And first-person games, I burnt myself out on them, to mm-hmm. be truthful. But I would have played these two games. Now, I got Crisis free, free for the 360, and I played the first level and realised it was a load of balls. Mm-hmm. Now, with this twisted logic, I've now realised that I will never play Fear because of that, because in my stupid head, I've linked them together and I thought I'll never play it. What a stupid head. Yeah. <laughs> I think they got similar reviews, like Marks as well. Yeah. That's a shame, though, for you. To, to, to stop yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, are you going to play Fear Free in, in your no, life? No, because Crisis was shit. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what about a game called They Live? By Newgrounds, 2015. It was made in tribute to Rowdy Roddy Piper when he passed away. 
Is he dead? Yeah, yeah, he died. Yeah. Honestly? Mm-hmm, yeah. He turns up in the sort of sunny in Philadelphia, you know. Oh, did he really? Uh-huh. Oh, he died about a few years back. Aww. I uh, would have a blast of this, because it's quite a nice tribute, but it's absolutely solid. You uh, you have a shotgun, you go into a bank, and you're blowing people away. Mm-hmm. You put the shades on, and you can see who the baddies are and who the goodies are. But oh, it's fucking solid. You can roll about and stuff, and it's got some of the quotes out of that bubblegum one. Yeah, it's just a web browser thing, so right. have a look. Listener. Did you- Sorry, what were you saying? The last? I just said listener. <laughs> okay. Did you think it was slightly ironic that some of the merchandise they were selling was stuff for They Live, which had like obey and <laughs> yeah. purchase on um, just white badges and yeah. stuff? I think that was quite quite clever, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if you put Cause... a badge on, then you'll see it and you'll go, Foot an animal, you're not filming me. <laughs> That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the game and stuff. Is it? Is there any games that I have mentioned that you know of? No, I think there's not a lot, though, is there? Really? No, there's not. That's why we did that bit first, because we didn't want to build up to it. And then uh, the listener be like, what? There's like 12 games. And that's like and a light four, start. Four or five of them is only like the links quite tenuous, Tom mm-hmm. and Ross. Can you just sort out your, your research department? Me. It was you who yeah. was the producer. Right. He's going to get some tonight. <laughs> Next up, movies. Do you have some sort of strange <laughs> sexual, like, is that what you call yourself when you, you've done wrong and stuff? Greg, well, producer. Yeah. Wow, you fucking deserve this, don't you? Mm-hmm. I've heard enough. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Next up, movies. Ross, you know this JC guy yeah. you keep mentioning? He wears a lot of hats, doesn't he? Would right. you say he wears a lot of hats? Ah, he's, he wears uh, a lot of hats. He's a director, he's a producer, a writer, composer, mm-hmm. actor. I happen to have here a list of movies that he's been involved in, and I uh, also have noted the role he played in each of those movies. I don't know about you, but maybe we could go through this list of movies together yes. as a, a twosome. As a collective. And we could, I don't know, just discuss them at length okay. uh, and see what you think about that. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, can I just say one thing that I should have mentioned earlier when we were talking about the anthology tour? Aye. The Lost Themes 1 and 2 Yes. that uh, I purchased, uh, they put me in mind of a band I saw supporting Errors, another band that I really liked a few years back called Ubra Blanca. Uh, sorry, Ubra Blanca. Aye. Sorry, no, Ubra Blanca. <laughs> As in the guy from Street Fighter. Have uh, I ever told you about them before? No, but, but I'm well, interested. I'll get you... I'll buy you the albums. 
uh, what a lovely gift. Oh, that's nice. Because the it's it's a similar sort of like a retro soundscape sort of thing that he's got going on. There's just two of them in the band. Mm-hmm. They're really impressive when I saw them live. Yeah. Well, a memory I've just had actually is a band that supported someone. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I think we actually went to see them in this little dive, the Cumberland Arms. It's called. Yeah, I played there. Have you? Mm. Nice. I've seen some good bands there. Yeah, well, I played there. Did I ever see you there? Yeah, well, we, we've just said you saw some. Oh, good bands some there. good bands. Sorry, I better just change the subject. <laughs> no. Well, one of the gigs we did there actually, someone came and told us to turn it down. <laughs> did they? It's a bit loud. And it turned down a bit. I was like, we're doing a fucking show. I seen Ramesses there, and it was so loud that my fucking ears were bleeding. Oh, seriously? Nah. Oh. Anyway, the band that I rem- that I'd forgotten about was a, a band called Zombie, mm. and they're like a two piece, and they play. Um, I think it's Zombie with an I. Zombie. Yeah, and they play he like John. Zombie. They play John Carpenter esque um, stuff. Right. Like before that synth stuff. Uh, Kind of kicked off. Mainstream, yeah. Became mainstream. But uh, they, they were quite good live. Excellent. What were they called, sorry? Zombie. You just said. So the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the movie thing, right? So, hey. The thing by um, John Carpenter. That's a bit later in his career. <laughs> Tom, I would start off earlier if I was all the same you. I'll go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. JC, the guy that we mentioned. Did you know, did you know the fog... Escape from New York, Prince of Darkness, and They Live are going to receive 4K restoration releases. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. What was that noise? Mm, oh, <laughs> yeah. So, right, anyway. Uh, he's pretty prolific. Nice. Uh, some some years, he had like two or three movies coming out each year. Mm-hmm. Whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. We'll get to that. So, I've got these chronologically. Yes. Have you got a list as well? or are you just? No, I'm just going to wing it this day. Get in. So, first of all, there's a movie called Captain Voyeur. Yeah. Which was 1969. He was a director, producer, writer, and composer. Just an eight-minute short film. Mm-hmm. A bored computer worker becomes fixated on a woman at work and follows her home. Have you seen it? No. I wonder if it's available on YouTube. I might check it mm-hmm. out if it is. Apparently, it inspired things like Mike My- uh, Michael Myers. Oh, all right. Sort of psychotic uh, killer man. Next up, this one's a good one. Res- the Resurrection of Bronco Billy. 1970, uh-huh. he was a writer and a composer. Mm-hmm. So, um, some of these I've got, uh, I've watched, and some I've just got like a synopsis, which uh, right. I may or may not have copy and pasted off Wikipedia or something similar. Yeah. So, The Resurrection of Bronco Billy is a story of a young man who lives in a big city in present time, but his dreams are of the old West and Western film heroes. Scenes of his everyday life take on the style of a Western film as he visits with a Western old-timer, Wild Bill Tucker. He crosses a busy boulevard packed with traffic and we hear the sound of a cattle drive. And this is basically what happens in the entire film, by the way. It's, uh, not, it's not very long, so mm-hmm. sorry, if, spoiler. Uh, he's late for work at the Harvey store and in an intersection crosswalk he has a Western Street showdown with a businessman as the light changes. He enters a saloon but has no ID for a beer. He's accosted in an alleyway. A pretty counter girl gives him soda but he realises he has no money to pay for it. So it's just following a day in his life where he's kind of getting confused, I think, between modern day and the Wild Westy sort of thing. In my mind, it sounds horrible. Yeah, it goes on. Then he meets a lovely artist in a pack, <laughs> a park, mm-hmm. who draws a sketch of him in an Old West setting and he talks to her for a long time. Sorry, no, just for a time. And a park bench about the Old West and Western films. 
The artist gets up to leave and we hear the sound of hoofbeats as he rides up to her in the Old West. The artist gives him back the watch he lost in the alley scuffle. She floats up onto his horse and they ride off across the prairie as a Bronco Billy theme song is heard over the scene. He's taken her back to the magic Old West that he loves. What? So that's what happens in that film. No. You gonna watch that? No. Okay. Uh, lost, lost, sorry, Last Foxtrot in Burbank. 1973, he was an actor. Mm-hmm. And this is just a spoof of The Last Tango in Paris. Oh dear, really? Mm, yeah. The Starring Vaseline scene in that. The Vaseline, I've never seen it. Uh, how what many happens? fingers can you stick up your arse and stuff? Are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> I've got any Vaseline. Mm. I've got a chapstick. <laughs> of course you do. Emergency one. Yeah. Okay. Dark Star, 1974. Director... Producer, writer, composer, actor. He mm. played the, the Talby voice. What the fuck that means. This follows the crew of a deteriorating starship, Dark Star, 20 years into their mission to destroy unstable planets that might threaten future colonization of other planets. Have you seen this? Yes. Is it good? It reminds me of Red Dwarf. In a way. It oh, reminds really? me of Alien, Red Dwarf, and it's very, very uh, low budget. Right. Um... The, what the themes on his lost, eh? The themes is on one of his. The CD I got of his. Oh, all right, okay. Uh it's just it's very low budget. And the acting's bad. Sounds like a cracker. Do you know what the alien is? No. Does it not tell you in the synopsis? Then? No, no. Because that's where it's a bit like a Red Dwarf episode. Because the alien's a giant beach ball with legs, eh? With feet. Seriously? Mm, Fuck me. I wish I wasn't being serious, but I am being serious. (laughs) I'm being deadly serious. (laughs) Uh, Next up, an absolute classic, Assault on Precinct 13, 1976. Uh, He was director, producer, writer, composer, actor, Mm -hmm. everything. He was a gang member in that. Oh, was he? Class. As we've discussed previously, the theme was one of our faves of all time. Aye. Can I ask you now, what do you think is best, like, if I say pick one of his tunes, which Ooh. one? It's hard, isn't it? I absolutely love that one, but I also love Escape from New York. Yes. Aye. That's a classic. I feel like I've heard Halloween too much now at this point. Ah, I don't really. Uh, fuck Halloween, man. Have you ever seen the guitarist Buckethead? Yeah. Playing um, Halloween? No, but I saw him playing with... Uh, who did he play with? Guns N' Roses. He did, yeah. I saw them live in... At Leeds Festival years ago. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Shite. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> well, Buckethead plays, he's an amazing guitarist. Yeah. Like, he's finger tapping skills and stuff. And he plays um, the Halloween tune on the guitar. He plays both bits. Mm-hmm. So he, he plays the with like his left hand. And with his right hand, he's tapping the like. So it's quite impressive to see. Yeah. Anyone should check that out on YouTube. Okay. The film, Sonic Precinct 13, anything else you want to say about that? Much you want to say? I mean, it's 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 a brilliant film. I just love his... The direction, the ca- the way he uses the camera, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like Stanley Kubrick, level of, like, steady cam. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just... That's what makes that film work for me, how clinical mm-hmm. and serious the um, direction is. How, right. It is dated now by today's standards. There's a remake of it as well. I was going to say, have you seen the remake? I haven't, but has it got Ethan Hawke in it? I want to say yes, so I'm going to say yes. I mean, the convict in the original Escape from 
uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is the same guy who plays... Is it the captain or sergeant in Day of the Dead? Oh, really? You know, and he is the, uh, class. Joke on it! Yes. Oh, no, okay. He is one cheesy like actor, yeah, yeah. but he's still fantastic. No, great film. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Eyes of Laura Mars, 1978, writer. He was a writer in that. A uh, famous fashion photographer developed a disturbing ability to see through the eyes of a killer. Oh. Mm. Uh-huh. Interesting. Next up, Someone's Watching Me, 1978. Director and writer. I watched this one. Yes. Um, one year for Halloween, I had... I used to... When I had more time on my hands, I used to um, have a film type of festival for myself. Mm-hmm. And I would watch like a theme over the whole of Halloween. Yeah. And I watched a one where one year I'd done directors I like, but films I hadn't seen by the director. Mm-hmm. And I picked that movie by him. Right. It was hard to dig out, actually, because it was a TV movie. Yeah. It reminds me very much of a Hitchcock type of... I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's that's one of the comments I made, actually. It's very Hitchcockian. Mm-hmm. Felt like Hitchcock a bit, is what I actually said. So the concept of the movie is uh, she moves into a high-rise apartment complex and it's like a stalker movie. There's someone across the other way mm-hmm. in the other building watching her all the time. Like a dirty perv. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing I would do. It had really strange dialogue and the main character seemed a little mad. Like she kept talking to herself and at times she was really kooky. Uh, yeah. she, she's like, I think she's trying to flirt with someone in a bar. One of the main, one of the main guys, I think. I think it's the one that she ends up having a relationship with. Mm-hmm. She taps him on the leg and says, I have strange fears being raped by dwarves. I had to check you weren't on stilts. Whoa. It's like this, this, just the dialogue between That's the characters is really strange, weird. strange, isn't it? Yeah, very strange. And John Carpenter wrote it. Uh, the, there was quite a bit of like hashtag me too stuff in the office. Like there was, <laughs> she just started a brand new job <sighs> and one of the characters was like proper like lecturing on her like fucking just wouldn't take no for an answer. And like, Come on, you and I, we'll go out for a drink. And then he phoned her like three times on the trot one night and stuff. Um, there's one bit when she goes into the into the apartment and she's kind of looking around and you see someone just quickly run past behind. That that was quite a scary moment, really, like a genuinely scary moment. I felt like nowadays, you know, a horror film takes a concept and it runs with it. Like uh-huh. Quiet Place done that. Like it would mm-hmm. it it centers on. I think people are a bit smart I know with films mm-hmm. where all you want from a movie like that is you want what you've just described. Uh huh. But not the stuff with like the office work and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. That's just pointless. No yeah, one's yeah. getting anything out of that. Uh-huh. Get rid of that and just make it. Why not make it at a night where it's just all set? You would have been class at that because that's where he excels. I feel mm-hmm. well in Halloween anyway. That's what it should have been like. I yeah, feel. it was too much bullshit. It was a lot of stuff about a job, a brand new job. It was boring, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things the killer does is he always leaves a suicide note for the people that he kills. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make it look like a suicide. Halloween. 1978. Director, producer, writer, composer, actor. Mm-hmm. He was the voice of Paul and his boyfriend, apparently. Ah, so at the start, the the bit where it follows the killer. Mm-hmm. Which, it's it's quite shocking when you think about it. I mean, we're probably going to spoil some of these films, by the way. Ah, well, fuck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the start of Halloween is, it's, a, it's like a very accomplished shot where it shows you a, a killer. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the the kick, the sting in the tail is it turns out to be a, a child. 
mm-hmm. with the knife. That's right, yes. I assume the voice is from there because it was off camera. Ah, uh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think that bit's amazing. Mm-hmm. Again, he's when he uses camera, the camera like that. It's all. Is it all first person? Uh, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can see the knife, and he's got the mask on, mm-hmm. so it, you can hear the muffled breathing of mm-hmm. the kid as well. So it's um, a Shatner mask that uh, Michael Myers wears, isn't it? It's William a Shatner. dyed William Shatner mask, oh, yeah, yeah, which is weird, isn't it? Uh, very strange. The eyes cut out or something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So obviously, it's a uh, the theme is an absolute classic. We've discussed it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's featured in this episode, quite, uh, this podcast, quite a few times, I think, and some. Some way or another, mm-hmm. I I didn't like this film. You know, it was the first time I ever watched it, and I just didn't like it. What? It was it was set in obviously set at Halloween in October. It wasn't but actually filmed. filmed in... They must have filmed it at the height of summer uh. because all the trees still had leaves on. Um, the actual night of Halloween, because Americans go mad for it, uh-huh. mad for it. Uh, the only decoration was the Halloween the pumpkin on the fucking porch. Uh-huh. Was it? There was no other decoration anywhere. They they obviously got like a a big bag of leaves at one point and threw them on the street. They did. Um, and that, they were blown around and stuff on one side of the street. But the other side of the street, there was no leaves. So it was oh, kind I never of... picked up on that. You see, yeah. I thought, I was thinking about this coming here. I was thinking, I grew up with Halloween. Mm-hmm. My experience with Halloween was me mom telling us about the film because uh-huh. it really freaked out. Mm-hmm. And it, they used to show clips of it before I was too, I was too young to watch it. And they would show clips of it at six o'clock. Like, and tonight, Halloween. And one of the clips that always used to show was, like, him hiding behind the um, the bush. Mm-hmm. And honestly, them bits, to me, are really creepy. Yeah. There's something about it. I showed it last year. I showed it last year to Louise, and she was disappointed <laughs> as well. She thought it was, like... She's got just, used to it now. Though. Yeah. She just thought it was a bit boring. <laughs> yeah. Kelly did, like, she... she... She said originally she wasn't even sure if she would find it even find it scary before we even start watching it because it's. I feel like pretty much everyone of this generation has experienced, even if you haven't seen it, you've experienced the film ah, because of the amount of parodies and stuff. It's like Psycho. Yeah, it's, it's spoiled. Just, yeah, yeah, it's just so many different programs have done a, a version of it or copied it in some way. Mm-hmm. It's hard. To, just I don't know. It's just hard to take it seriously, especially when there was no real. It didn't feel like there was enough atmosphere because. It, it didn't feel. It didn't look cold like it should in October. Right. Yeah. It didn't look like it. I don't know. It's very odd that, and I'm. I know it's. It's, it's difficult to put aside your memories of mm-hmm. stuff, but I think that's what it excels at. The mm-hmm. atmosphere. I feel it's got a. Re, it's ominous because of the music. It's a very simple, straight storyline, uh-huh. but it has a kind of like, just. It kind of has a spooky atmosphere, but I think that might be just with me growing up yeah. and experiencing it. I have friends who, who, like Craig, watches it every year. Really? Whereas I kind of find it's a very slow-paced movie to do that. I don't know if I could get much out of that. It's all about building attention. Like I get that, and, it, and it's... But I don't know, it felt ultimately a bit anticlimactic, even though they, they built the tension throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. I don't know... It's a, it's a tough one. I thought about this a while back. I think it's fascinating that if you look at the Stoughton Slasher uh, genre of, of films that were in the 80s, mm. how a lot of them... I know you had um, Black Christmas, which was like yeah. an earlier ca- Canadian one, and some like um, some of the Italian stuff that came out even earlier. Mm. But a lot of the films took either Halloween 
or um, Friday the 13th and mm-hmm. just use them as a blueprint. Yeah. But the thing about Friday the 13th is gory kills, deaths. Yeah, yeah. Halloween hasn't got any of that. I was going to say, there's like no gore. And some of the, the, the body reveals are like something from a horror house, like when the, yeah. he falls out the cupboard or something and like that. And he's got that gleeky look on his uh, face. Uh. One thing, they were watching The Thing, the original Thing, The Thing movie uh, on uh, the TV, yeah. which was a nice little... Uh, well, the thing didn't come out for another four. The remake for another four years, so mm-hmm. you must have had that plan for a while, possibly. I haven't seen any of the others, but does Jamie Lee Curtis just get like proper solid, like Ripley, because she's wielding a gun in the the latest one, the brand new one that's just come out? I think she John Connor did in the newest one. I haven't seen the newest one, but I did watch the second remake, the, uh, the Rob Zombie ones. Oh, was the he remaked it? Did he? Remade so. It. He remade Halloween 1 and then re- he made his own version of Halloween 2. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is probably one of the worst films I've seen in a cinema. Really? It was so bad. Uh-huh. Um, I only watched it because I got in for nothing because uh, Craig had free tickets mm-hmm. and it was shit. Um, but they've remade it again. And he, from what I heard from Craig, who's a massive fan of Halloween, he says it's just pointless. It's just... it. it it does the member berry type thing where uh-huh. it's just like, oh, do you remember that scene from the original? Well, mm. we're going to just recreate that. Mm. Some shit. Uh, I just didn't have it from from youth. I didn't really have that nostalgia because I never mm-hmm. originally saw it. I wasn't that bothered. I do think Laurie's theme as well mm-hmm. on, from the film is amazing. I wish he had to play that line. Mm. It's class. <laughs> I thought Michael Myers is just in general just a bit of a shit baddie as well because he keeps getting his ass kicked like in every fucking well all the way through the film he keeps getting his ass kicked yeah and then it's weird because there's an implied a quite a slightly supernatural aspect to the first one uh-huh. but then in the other films it just goes crazy right where he's like he can take shots to the head and is he immortal like because like, when they take his mask off they reveal his face in the first one mm-hmm. why is his face just a bit fucked up because it's just like a bit mangled and stuff, a bit like um, Jason. Uh, like, why? I don't, I don't know. I haven't <laughs> an answer to that. Uh, have you seen Halloween 2, which he, in 1981, which he produced, wrote, and composed music for? Yeah, uh, yeah. that's like... It, it's it's a very unusual sequel, as in it's directly after the events of the oh, first really? film. So he goes to hospital. Ah. And it's a lot gorier than right. the first film. But um, it's not as good. What about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch? I have a very, I have a soft spot for that film. So, 1982, he produced and composed the music for it? He's distanced himself from that. Right. It's it's not set about Michael Myers. It's set about these masks mm. that, like, um, a chip in them makes them... There's this weird plan that's uh, on Halloween, this advert. Right. 
makes triggers something yeah. makes people go crazy and me and my friend talk about certain scenes in that movie it's one of those ones where it's canny bad but at the same sense there's something about it and it does look like it's directed by John Carpenter mm-hmm. the very like um, slow methodical camera uh-huh. use and stuff but I don't know hmm. and of course we mentioned it the, the latest one Halloween 2018 yeah uh, he was a producer and composed music for it uh-huh. he was a consultant apparently on it as well oh well, that covers all the Halloween ones that we want to talk about, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Let's move on from Halloween then to The Fog, 1980. He was a director, writer, composer and actor. Played Bennett. Apparently. All right. So, look the backstory for it here. I believe this is the backstory for both this and the 2005 remake. Okay. In 1871, William Blake arranges to purchase half of Antonio Island off the coast of... Oregon, Mm. to establish a leper colony Mm. for his afflicted people. However, Ireland residents Patrick Malone, Norman Castle, Richard Wayne and David Williams double-cross Blake. During a foggy night, they loot his clipper ship, the Elizabeth Dane, and set it on fire, killing all aboard. Mm -hmm. 134 years later, the residents of Antonio Island prepare to honour their founding fathers, the same men who burned the Elizabeth Dane, and a statue of them is to be unveiled on the town's anniversary. So obviously the people who were killed on the ship come back to go and don't fucking think so like have a meat hook in the face. Well, it's a fu- have, you, have you watched it? Because I lent you it, didn't I? You lent it. I didn't watch it this time but I've, I'm 100% sure I've watched it in the past. Yes, I haven't revisited it recently but there's things in the fog. It's the way you make yeah, it sound the, like the it's guys, them. Yeah, yeah there's and people in the fog in there. I, to me, it's a flawed film mm-hmm. but it's still pretty good. Uh-huh. It has an atmosphere, yeah. like as John Carpenter movies tend to, from mm. that period anyway. Yeah, it's one of his more famous ones, isn't it? It was um, his second feature film after, a uh, proper big feature film after Halloween. Yeah, he, um, I mean, he had Jimmy Lee in it as well. That's right. Mm. And uh, he does have strong female roles in movies, yeah. doesn't he? So He likes to work... Uh, with the same actors quite a bit as well, with Jimmy Curtis, Sam Neill appears quite a few times, Kurt Russell. Definitely Kurt Russell. Uh, which is, you see that quite a bit, though, like Tarantino does that a lot, doesn't he? Samuel Jackson and uh, what's his name did it with Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, before that, Scorsese, that's who you mean with yes. Leonardo DiCaprio. The uh, most famous thing that everyone mentions is Scorsese had De Niro, like when oh, he was first okay. starting, so yeah, he had yeah. Mean Streets, Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. You know, all them films. Did you do King Raging of, Bull, though? Yeah, Raging right. Bull, King of Comedy. Them early uh, Scorsese movies are fucking class. Yeah. And De Niro was amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's fair enough. If you find someone that you work well with, why not? Mm-hmm. Escape from New York in 1981. Okay. Director, writer, composer, actor. He was a Secret Service number two. Uh, helicopter pilot and violin player. All right. Play three roles. Uh, like I said before, and as you heard in the first part, uh, the version of the theme tune, it's an absolute cracker. Aye. It is an absolute cracker. It's a banger. Uh, what do you think about the film? I haven't revisited it. I've seen it three times in my life, uh-huh. and I've been fairly young when I watched it. I think Christian lent us, when we first met, Aww. he lent us, he had the, un- the, the brought out a longer version where the startups, like, it's got it's got a different bit where the um it's a bike bank heist or something. Oh, okay. That's the longer version I watched. 
I feel it's one of those films that it's very extremely dated. Yeah, yeah. But I I liked it. Mm. I don't know how it stands up now. Are you going to tell me how it stands up now? It still seems really dated because uh, I watched it. Ooh, it was. I think it might have been back in August or September. I watched it now. Mm-hmm. But it's um, yeah, it's kind of like the the outfit he wears and the fact he's got the eye patch and the leather pants and the, I think he's got a vest and stuff. Like, <laughs> might have looked pretty cool back then. <laughs> But now it just looks fucking shocking. Like, it just uh, doesn't... It's like... Uh, and it's counterpart film, Escape from LA, when they try to, again, try to sort of... I think at the start of that one, he's got the same outfit on, mm-hmm. but then they quickly change it to try and bring it up to date almost, to try and make him look even cooler. And again, it, it immediately looks dated as fuck. So it's like a big black leather coat and... We'll get to that film. It's though. cool by committee, isn't it? Where they sit down. He's got to have this. He's yeah. got to have that. He's got to have a ha- hair patch. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, hair patch? Yeah. <laughs> eye patch. Yeah. The people want it. That's what the thing's cool. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, they've tried to, he's tried to tick the boxes, but yeah, it just looks almost immediately dated. The, um, it's a cool concept, though. Got it's a brilliant concept. Landy's glider on the, on the top of the building, and then he's got he's rescuing the pr- uh, president. Is it or the, the president's daughter. daughter? Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's always the president's daughter. She always gets into fucking scrapes. Whatever president. What's he called? Um, Donald Pleasance is is the he's the prime minister, isn't he? In it? Um, president. President. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, think I don't he recall. Is. There's loads of I mean, big actors in it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's. I don't think it's that one. Do you remember how it ends? Spoiler. Um, has, he got a, has he got a bomb inside his head in that one? Yeah, the, to make sure that he won't renege on the deal. Because yeah. the deal is they're going to send him in, in there to, to, to save the daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, to make sure that he doesn't just fuck off. Mm-hmm. He's got a bomb being implanted in his arm, I think it is, or something. Or it might be his, his neck. head. He's, it's his neck. Yeah, blow his head that. clean off. Uh, and he's got a timer. Uh-huh. That's what's on his watch, That's isn't right, it? Uh-huh. Telling them how long he's got. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think, you know, to make it exciting, it goes right down to the wire. When yeah. it gets back, they take it out, yeah? Uh, they they don't, but it doesn't go off because there was nothing there. Uh-huh. Anyway. It, was, it was never anything there to blow his head off. So it was just a, it was like a ruse. Uh-huh. But is that one, is that the one where, or is it the Escape from LA? He shuts down like all of the power to the country or something like that, or to the world or something. I don't know which one it is. Where he's he, he's got this thing, he's got the hologram as well. Is that Escape from LA? That sounds like LA. Um. Anything that sounds really shit is <laughs> LA. Yeah, but it's a good film. Like it is a good film, Escape from New York. But yeah, it's, uh, it's it, it looks like it's trying to be cool. But aye, uh, it's, a, it's a nice sort of because basically the whole of New York is like a prison, isn't it? Like a prison island uh-huh. almost. They've just uh, sectioned it all off with a massive wall. Um, so yeah, if you want to go there, then you, you, you're going to be in a prison, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's no fucking going up to Statue of Liberty and having a belt of time or getting a pretzel <laughs> on fucking Rockefeller mm-hmm. Centre. That's what you're doing. Or it. proposing to someone in fucking Central Park, which yeah. is the like bloody thing, isn't no, it? None of that shit, because you'd be getting fucking probably like, bum raped off like Big Daddy, <laughs> Big Daddy X. <laughs> Escape from LA, let's go straight on to that. Why? Well. Is this... Well, uh, do you want to do it chronologically? Because just when we're, right. we're blasted through the, the Halloween ones. Okay. I mean, we can wait for Escape from LA. No, oh, no, well, no, 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 no
I, I don't care now. No. I, I just, I like structure, and I was wondering what the fuck the structure was. The Thing, 1982, <laughs> right. director and actor. He was a Norwegian in the video footage, apparently. We've talked about The Thing quite a bit, I think, in the past. Aye. It's one of my favourite movies of all time. I absolutely love it. So the spoiler for this is, would you say this is his best film, then? It's my, yeah, it's my favourite film of his, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I absolutely love it. It probably is mine, to be honest with you. It's, it's just such a complete such a, movie. Yes, exactly. It's a lovely package. It's got a wonderful atmosphere. It's got it's got a story that you don't know at the start. You, you wonder what's going on, mm-hmm. why they're chasing this dog, What what what's the crack? And then it leaves you at the end thinking, well... I feel like we haven't. Well, it it ends the story, but it also leaves things kind of. You're not sure. You're not 100 percent sure on whether. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but you're yeah. not. You don't listen if you haven't seen it yet. You're not 100 percent sure on if one of the two characters who are left are actually still mm-hmm. the thing, or infected, or whatever. Not infected. It's. Well, the doppelgangers. Like it kills the yeah, people we'll get, and then we'll, replaces them. So the the idea of the film, or the synopsis. There's this Norwegian outpost in Antarctica. Is it Antarctica or Arctic? Uh, yeah. It's in one, one of the snowy other. places. One of other. <laughs> one of the coldest places on Earth. And they dig up this big UFO. Yeah. And they don't realise it, but within it is a an alien, an uh-huh. alien life form that has this ability to recreate whatever it touches sort of thing. It's a bit like Invasion of the Body Snatchers in that way, except uh-huh. there's no cocoon thing. Uh-huh. There's a couple of times when you... As a viewer, you interrupt the transformation process, like especially with the dogs bit, which is totally fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you don't know who's who's real or who's actually the thing, the alien. Yeah, there's a couple of bits, especially the the blood test scene, which is an absolute classic. Mm-hmm. The practical effects, I think, are some of the best. Even still, when you see them now, some of the best I've seen in, in a movie. I used absolutely to, hor- horrific. I used to buy Hot Dog, the movie magazine, and mm-hmm. one of the. Uh, one of the regular th- things they used to do was they would break down a famous scene in a movie. Uh-huh. And I remember the one, they were talking about the one where they're working on... He's he's doing the autopsy on the corpse mm-hmm. and the belly opens up and, and bites off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And it was what what happened is they used a, a man who had lost both of his oh, arms right. to, to do that. Yeah. The special effects artist on that movie was very young and um, it, it, it broke him. Really? I, I remember, like, hearing... I don't know if it's Urban Legends and stuff, but uh, he... After working on it, he was exhausted. He mm. had to go into like like wow. a hospital to have like Jesus. Yeah, because it, it it was so. That's what people. That's why we we don't have practical effects so much now. It, I'm well, sorry, that's the reality of it. The very time consuming. Which which uh, wasn't it the remake of the thing where they spent absolutely yeah. loads of time doing all the practical effects and then replace them all with CGI. That's the the rumour. And I don't know if it is a remake or a sequel because it, it follows the Norwegian... That's right, it's not um, a remake. It's a prequel technically, isn't it? So you know how you says he played the Norwegian yeah. John Hart JC himself? <laughs> well, that's kind of what that's about. Yeah. And it does have computer like graphics in it. But the rumour was that they'd filmed it using special yeah, practical... I saw a little video on it, and you can see loads of the, loads of the practical effects, and like I say, that they replaced them, a load of them with CGI, and it was a obviously absolutely heartbreaking for the team who created all the visual effects. Ah, uh, bet, yeah. Because they just went, uh, and it looks like a lot of it looks shit, which is a real shame. Mm. 
I mean, the, the head bit from the original, the John Classic, the yeah. one, where he's it's like a spider sort of... What does he say when he says that? Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely bang a Brilliant. you got to be fucking kidding. Moving on then, because I mean, we've yeah, talk, talk all day about, about that film. I would say, yeah, people who haven't seen the thing. Yeah. I don't think even we've spoiled it, because no. I think you'll still get enough out it's of it. It's fantastic. Christine, 1983, mm-hmm. director-composer. They, had, they used 28 cars in the oh, making really? of this film, and yeah. there's only two left at the end of it. So, you've seen this, yeah? Right, there's a funny personal story towards that. I, growing up, I met a lad. That sounds... <laughs> growing up, I, I, I was well in the football, and yep. um, I started playing in a Sunday league team. And then, So on a Sunday, what my Sunday used to be, was I would play in a Sunday league match, then I would have a kickabout, mm-hmm. on, the, and then would have a proper kickabout with like thirty were mm-hmm. on top fields in Killingworth, and these kids from K- Killy always said that I looked like the main kid from Christine. Really, and I hadn't seen Christine at that point. Uh-huh. For some reason, it was a film that didn't turn up much on on TV. Yeah, and when I got to see it, it was one of those films where I was like, I cannot believe I haven't seen this movie. Uh-huh. It's so John Carpenter. Yeah. It's a it's a good movie. Space and Stephen King novel, isn't it? Also, I heard that because I don't know how much truth there is in this. I, it was his interview. He said this. Um, the thing didn't do very well. No. And he was down to direct um, Firestarter. Right. Which is another Stephen King movie. It's got Drew Barrymore in it. Mm. The the movie that got made. Mm-hmm. He got took off that project. Right. And he found that. Movie instead, right, which okay. is another Stephen King yeah. uh, adaptation. It's the the idea is Christine's a car uh, that this kid uh, takes ownership of. He sees it like totally scrapped, mm-hmm. buys it off this guy, and then he does it up. He does it up. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, makes it look lovely, really nice and shiny. Before this, he's a bit of a like nerd. Uh, he's not very confident at all. Mm-hmm. But then once he's does the car up and starts driving around, he turns into like a proper dickhead. Basically. Well, he looks like Snake Plissken. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's proper class. It's all set in the 50s, isn't it, as well? 50s or 60s? Aye, uh, yeah. Americana type uh, of thing. There's, uh, there's like the typical high school uh, greasers who are like total bullies and stuff. And it's a bit of a revenge, uh, kind of bit, a bit of a stalkery sort of vibe. The, Christi- uh, the car, Christine, you'd find out it has its own, it's like sentient, basically. Yeah. And it can do things without needing to be controlled by anybody. And he falls in love with the car, like actually in love with it. Old erotica, I think that's called. And um, yeah, it just follows that story. It's it's an, it's like a, a totally different concept to anything else, really. And it's nicely filmed at times when you see the car getting destroyed and then sort of like fixing itself and things pretty yeah. cool and for the time that would have been a bit difficult to do I feel oh yeah I think a lot of it was played backwards like filmed and then mm-hmm. played backwards some of the kills are pretty cool yeah it's worth a watch like it is worth a watch It's. I feel John Carpenter's movies fall into three groups mm-hmm. there's the ones that I would recommend wholeheartedly mm-hmm. which is like the thing I would recommend Halloween mm-hmm. and Assault on Precinct 13 there's the ones that I would recommend with caution. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Christine doesn't quite work, but it's still all right. Mm-hmm. And then there's the total bags of ball ones, which we'll get to because later on in his career, I'm afraid, I'm afraid JC started to churn out some wank. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Churn out some wank was that phrase there, listener. Speaking of churning out some wank, uh, I don't know if this is a bad film or not. I've never oh, seen no. it. The Philadelphia Experiment, 1984. He's a producer. Oh. The film is set in 1943 where two sailors, David Herdeg and Jim Parter, are stationed on a ship used for an experiment to make it invisible to radar. However, the experiment goes horribly wrong, as it always does. Oh, no. And the ship completely disappears and Herdeg and Parker find themselves in the Nevada desert in the year 1984. They find out the program has been revived in 1984, unexpectedly in interacting with the experiment in 1943 and putting the entire world in danger. I've seen this, but I can't remember anything about it. It's quite interesting, isn't it? It was a bit of a time travel sort of thing. It reminds me of some of the crack that happened in Portal with the different ship. Do you remember? Oh, uh, right, yeah. The the one that the... Hang on, is that... Oh, no, I think I'm thinking about the ship from Half-Life. It's a crossover from oh, Half-Life and uh, Portal. Because that's what Half-Life episode... Three, I think, was supposed to be set on that ship or had something oh, to do with the ship, maybe. More what was it just to mention half eight, really. <laughs> what was the ship called? Oh, I can't remember oh, now. Mate. It's on the tip of my tit. Mm. Can't remember. Listener, get in touch if you want to tell what the name of the ship was from Half Life. Yeah. Uh, it was the one that they were doing it uh, it was like one of those ships that kind of I think it, I think again it went to one of the coldest places on earth and, mm-hmm. and like an icebreaker sort of thing and they were doing investigations and stuff. At Gonoxler, G-O-N-E-R-C-H-S-L-E-I-R. Gonoxler, yahoo.co.uk. Okay, bye. Friedrich Hölderlin, Patmos. Dem Landgrafen von Homburg. Erste Strophe. Nah ist und schwer zu fassen, wo aber Gefahr ist, wächst das Rettende auf. Im Finstern kommen die Adler und furchtlos gehen die Söhne der Alpen über den Abgrund weg auf leicht gebauten Drum, da gehäuft sind rings die Gipfel der Zeit und die Liebsten ermattend auf getrenntesten Bergen. So gib unschuldig Wasser O Fittiche, gib uns treuesten Sinns, hinüberzugehen und wiederzukehren.
Starman. 1984, director and actor, Man in Helicopter. Second film he's been a Man in Helicopter. Uh-huh. You can probably fly a helicopter in real life. What do you think? I don't know. Huh. A humanoid alien, played by Jeff Bridges, mm-hmm. who has come to Earth in response to the invitation found on the gold phonograph record installed in the Voyager 2 space probe, so it's factual-based. Mm-hmm. The original scream... Oh, that's the end of that sentence. <laughs> yeah. So the original screenplay was written by uh, this guy, Bruce A. Evans and Reynold Gideon, with Dean Reisner doing uncredited rewrites. Bridges was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actor for his role. The film inspired a short-lived television series of the same name. Oh, I did it. 1986. Have you seen it? I have when I was younger, and I can't really remember a lot about it. Mm-hmm. I know they played the theme... Live, yes, and it's not written by Carpenter, and I think it's terrible. All right, the, the tune, the mm. f- the theme tune. I don't recall it. I do remember seeing the images on the back and uh, the screen at the back of uh, oh. Jeff Bridges, and I was up and going, "Who the fuck is that? Who is that? Who is that?" Because he's dead young in it. Ah, oh, he does. Um, and then Kelly, I think Kelly went on IMDb and went, "Oh, it's fucking Jeff Bridges, man." Mm-hmm. Next, we got Black Moon Rising, nineteen eighty six. Producer and writer Sam Quint is a former thief hired by the FBI to steal a computer disk which contains incriminating evidence against the Lucky Dollar Corporation of Las Vegas. After stealing the disk, Quint is pursued by Marvin Ringer, another former thief and acquaintance who works for the company. At the same time, a prototype vehicle called the Black Moon, which can reach speeds of 325 miles per hour and runs on tap water, is is being tested in a desert by Earl Wyndham. What do you think about that? Well, I've not seen it. <laughs> I've never heard of it because he's not directed it, has he? No, nah, just producer and writer. Sounds fucking bonkers. Runs on tap water. No. This one, this next one, I don't know if you've ever seen this one before. It's a bit shit, to be honest, if you ask me. Big Trouble in Little China, 1986. Director, composer, actor, worker in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this film, Ross. Well, I watched that at the right age. And I haven't went back. We were planning on watching it, but it just didn't have the time. Mm. It's... I watched it, it last night with Kelly. I see. Uh, yeah, I seen yeah. your texters saying that you were watching it. It's um. Well, how does that hold up now? Because I would imagine it's extremely dated. But I'm hoping it's dated in a good way. It's dated in a hilarious way. Where it's I was watching it and I could see the humor that was in there. The acting is totally over the top. There's yeah. loads of exposition. All right. What's her name? Kim Cattrall. She. The amount of times she says like, "Who him?" He did this and then and that. And you're like, oh, uh, okay, thanks for filling the blanks. Uh, but yeah, it's just so over the top. Like, it, he must have just had so much fun making that film. Uh-huh. Uh, the loads of martial arts fighting, but like kind of shit martial right. arts fighting. Like, he did. I don't even think he must have got a professional. Like, <laughs> he just went, in my head, it looks like this, so just do this. Um, Kelly just kept saying all the way through, what the fucking, what's going on? This film's stupid. <laughs> she just kept mm-hmm. saying, so, why is that happening? Why is that happening? At the very start of the film, it's uh, Egg, uh, what's his name? I can't remember, but Egg. Mm-hmm. He's talking to some like lawyer guy, and he's like, take me back to the start. Tell me the story, because all I know is this happened. Then there was a big green explosion in the sky. Tell me everything. And he goes, okay, so it started on this this day. Oh, you like you owe, you owe everything to Jack Burton. Leave Jack Burton alone. And then... So it's kind of, as John Carpenter does in a few of his films, like, there's another one coming up, which he does the same sort of thing, starts it, 
there's loads of films that do this. Starts with the guy <laughs> telling the story, and then he goes, so this is 48 hours earlier, this is what happened. Uh-huh. So this is how it starts. And then you have Jack Burton and he's the Pork Chop Express doing his usual thing on the radio, talking to whoever's listening. He tells that story about the checks in the mail. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a misunderstanding, I think, at the airport. This group of people kidnap one woman and uh, there's this guy, this bad guy called called Lopan, who's like this ancient motherfucker <laughs> who basically needs uh, the Chinese woman with green eyes. Yeah. He needs to sacrifice her for him to become flesh and, and live for eternity or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's the idea. He's got these three dudes who are his protectors, the three storms. Yeah. Um they remind me, um, I seen a film years ago called um, Shogun Assassin mm-hmm. is what it came out as in this country, but there's loads of them. Mm-hmm. And he they, he's stalked by these three or four martial artists who wear similar hats and right, they yeah. all have their own unique weapon and stuff. Right. And they look like the, them. The metal bit. thing with the little fingers on, which is the uh, shittest weapon I've ever yeah. seen. One of them's like Raiden because he can control lightning. Uh, I think one of them's called Thunder or it controls... Thunder or something. Uh, and then there's the one with the lightning, but I don't know what the other one does. Which is is one of them the one that gets raged up and just explodes? <laughs> Who, who's he? What's Thunder. He? Is he Thunder? Hate him. There was one bit when the, it was like a ceremony and the, the two lasses were sitting there uh, strapped up and they were doing like loads of martial arts moves going down the the uh, the corridor thing uh-huh. like with their shirts off and stuff and Kelly just went I, f- I fucking hate shit like that, you know. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? She was like, just people going on like that. It looks so shit. Like, I know what, he's, what he was trying to do was kind of like uh-huh. have this moment of like really intense. I don't know, like, but it was just, I was like, I don't know what you mean. It just looks fucking shit because he was like pulling all these, like doing all these moves and then doing really intense facial expressions and uh-huh. stuff and being covered in sweat. Well, it was just fucking shit. But it's still a cracking film. It's an absolute cracking, typical 80s, mm-hmm. over-the-top, almost comic book-like fantasy, real-world uh, clashing with the fan- fantastical world. Like, is this this phrase I, I came up with years and years ago? Or is this Tommy... Tommy trademark? Tommy time. <laughs> that's a different... <laughs> that's right. a different time. That's a different t- uh, concept. No, it's this, this word that I invented. Uh, Tremorian... Well, it's not a word, it's two words, technically. A Tremorian hero. Mm. That was my idea. Mm-hmm. And it came from Kevin Bacon and Tremors. So the idea is, and I'm sure there's a word that actually describes what this, this sort of person is anyway, but this is what I came up with. Someone who finds himself in exceptional circumstances but becomes a hero. Yeah. So Tremorian hero. He's a, in he f- these fucking Tremor worm things. Uh, start killing everybody and he's a hero at the end of it isn't he really he kind of like saves yeah. everybody I would say Kurt Russell's kind of that in this film where he's just a, a regular guy finds himself in a spectacular circumstances would you say Bruce Campbell in Army of Darkness absolutely yeah good good example Tremorium hero accidental hero I can't just call him this time. oh yeah <laughs> see I told you but I, I said Tremorium hero because I thought it sounded cool yeah cooler but yeah uh, great film the thing is, though, they never, ref- the thing, so. <laughs> they never refer back to the, the the guy telling the story at the start. Uh, they never refer back to it. 
you know, usually in those films when they do that, halfway through the or like mm. in the third act, the third act starts with him going, and that brings you up to date. That's why I'm sitting here now. But they don't they don't refer back to it. Not once. The fil- the film ends mm-hmm. and he says something about the big green explosion in the sky. There's no big green explosion. Which in the would sky. would which would mean why why was it done like that? I don't know. I don't know why he did that. It's like he forgot. He forgot to come uh-huh. back to it. He's like he watched. He went. All right. It's the big premiere. Everyone sit down and watching it. It opens up and the eggs sitting there. He goes. Oh shit! I forgot to t- I forgot to put that back that bit uh-huh. in the end. <laughs> or alternatively. It was too short the movie, and you just thought, "Let's just fan you on at the start yeah, a little bit." Right. The um, you know, the flask that he has in the game that we talked about in the first part, mm-hmm. he's got that in the Aye. that's the flask that I drink from, and then immediately after that, they're in the elevator, and yeah. it's a weird scene. It's got this sort of this sort of comedy that you, like Will Ferrell would would do now. Mm-hmm. It's it's really weird. He kind of says like. Yeah, I'm feeling really, really positive about this, and they're all kind of looking at each other, yeah. like sort of nodding and stuff. And it's just a weird, out of context humor. It's mm-hmm. quite good though. So yeah, I like that film. Cool. Yeah, I think everyone should watch it. Now, stop okay. this now. Go watch it. Don't even bother coming back. The boy who could fly, 1986. He was an actor in this. Not heard of this. Coupe de Ville band member. Uh, after the suicide of her temporarily, oh, temporarily ill father, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, after the suicide of her terminally ill father, Millie becomes friends with Eric, who lost both his parents to a plane crash. Together, Eric, and I put in brackets, autistic, <laughs> and Millie find ways to cope with the loss and the pain as they escape to faraway places. No, I've not seen this. I mean, he didn't direct it though, did no, he? No, he was just an actor in it. Prince of Darkness, 1987, director, writer, composer. Now, I've watched half of this when I was younger. Which half? And turned <laughs> it, yeah. I watched half of it and turned it off because I was like, this is shit. But I feel like I went through a period where I got sick of horrors. And I think it was that period. Was it? That. So I want to go back to it mainly because I think the tune is so fucking good. Uh-huh. I know it's got Alice Cooper in it as well. Is it? Aye. He crops up, doesn't he? In the last episode? Wallace. Wallace? Who the fuck is Alice Cooper? Mm. The film is a second instalment of what Carpenter calls his... Now, he's got to see a little little quiz for you here. He's got mm. a trilogy. What does he call his trilogy? It's a something trilogy. Mm, the balls trilogy. <laughs> Apocalypse trilogy. Right. Which began with The Thing in 1982 and concludes with In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, does it? So the synopsis is, a priest invites quantum physicist Professor Howard Barak and his students to join him in the basement of an abandoned Los Angeles church. He requires their assistance in investigating a mysterious cylinder containing a swirling green liquid. 
<laughs> what an absolutely stupid fucking concept. <laughs> so, yeah, get, get on that one quick, listener. All right, imagine, like, a phone call. Hi, what was he called? Brian Cox Professor here. Br- <laughs> Brian Cox here, quantum physicist. I've got physicist. this green liquid. I need you to check it out. <laughs> I'm not falling for this again. Goodbye. Green liquid. What what do you want us to check that out for? Uh, It's swirling. It's swirling. I'll be right there. Is it? (laughs) There must be more to it than that, surely. That's what I remember about it. Just the swirling and like me going, what the fuck's going on here? (laughs) So do you think I've got time for this? I'm a young man. I've got stuff to do. Speaking of young men with stuff to do, they live. 1988, director, writer, composer, actor. He's the voice that says, Sleep. Is that how they say it? Sleep. Obey. Consume. I've never seen this film. I feel like I have from the clips. It's a flawed movie. I feel like I'd fill in the blanks. It's got a 20 minute fight scene. Has it? Which ends with it's like the is it wrestling. between him and the yeah. the the other like main character the guy? Uh, oh, really? It's all about getting him to put on the glasses, and at the end of it, no one wins, and is they it, go for a beer. Is it the one? Did, oh no, maybe it's not that. The parody in uh, South Park where the two um, and this is going to be a highly offensive word that I'm going to use here, right. but it's the first one that that comes to my mind to describe them. Mm. And I'm sorry, I apologise in advance, but the two cripple kids are having a fight, oh, and right. uh, it goes on for. Ages and ages and ages. I don't. I don't know if it's that uh, film that they're referencing, but there's a film mm-hmm. where the fight just keeps going. This. I mean, he, it's because he, you know, his wrestling yeah. kind of heritage. Aye. I mean, there's, they use this like a prop, like the wood in the ring. There's this uh, dustbin that he's smashing over his head at one period, uh-huh. and again, it's all to put the glasses on. Yeah, and he does in the end, doesn't he? And he like, holds his head, and he sees their. So the the idea is he finds his pair of sunglasses, doesn't he? That when he puts it on, he sees that mm-hmm. he sees the subliminal messaging in advertisements yeah. and stuff, yeah. which is basically a white background with black words on. It says like obey, mm-hmm. consume, and stuff like that. But there's more to it. The the, the like higher class of people are uh-huh. actually aliens. Yes. And also, there's like little drones and stuff flying around that you right. can't see without oh, the right, uh, okay. glasses on. The creepy looking aliens, like, I'll give them up. Like, the they're good, really, uh, really weird looking. The use of the black and white because he's wearing the sunglasses as well really mm-hmm. adds to it because I bet you the special effects look better in the black and white as yes, opposed to like right. the colour. Do you think which came first, Bard versus a Space Mutant, or this? Aha! Uh-huh. When was that made? 1988. That came first because The Simpsons didn't start until '92 or something. So I can '89, I think it was. Right, and you know why I know that? Oh. Because I overheard someone on the radio earlier on. Did that start in '99? Did it work? Fucking hell! Obviously, he didn't say fucking hell. He was on the radio. Mm-hmm. That was just me. A bit of artistic license. So I've never seen it, but um, I, I want to. I really do want to. Well, I'd like... recommend it with reservations. Okay. It's not it's not great by anyone's standards, but okay. it's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, li- I think the concept's its strongest. That's what I was going to say. I like the concept of, of like one man against them all sort of thing. I think it's pretty cool. Speaking of one man against them all, mm-hmm. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. This right. is the other film that uh, starts, like, like I said before, with him telling his story. Oh, is it? You may wonder how I got myself into this situation. <laughs> I would liken this movie to Starman as in I've seen both of them, can't remember much about it, and they're both very unlike John Carpenter's other works. 
I'd say it's more like Hollow Man. <laughs> I'm being a bit more literal with the comparison. Right. There. It, but it, it's not like Hollow Man because Hollow Man's quite adult, isn't it? Yes. This, this is, isn't. It's PG, isn't it? You know, a little while back you said uh, the directors who go, right, I'll do one for them and then one for me. So sort of ah, this yeah. is what this feels like. It's it, it's very, very different to anything else he's done. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like they were trying to start a franchise, like a, like a superhero franchise almost. Right. Because of the way the, um, the set it up. And the way, maybe not so much the way it ends, but it did feel like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, the idea of the film is that uh, Chevy Chase, who, by the way, he's a bit of a dickhead, Chevy Chase. Oh, he's, he? ma- he's meant a to be a massive bastard, yeah. yeah. He, he, like, I used to always find him funny in the uh, all the film, like, um, Three Amigos and stuff like that. Yeah. Actually, he was interviewed on the Norm MacDonald show on Netflix, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that on the last episode. I think it's really funny. Right. Have you seen it yet? No. Do you like Norm Macdonald? Yes, I do, yeah. I highly recommend this. Like Some of the interviews, it's basically him interviewing one person every episode, but the way the film did, it's like he's taking a piss. Like, as though he doesn't know what he's doing. Like Two uh, Ferns. Like, Zach uh, Zach it's a bit like that. He's not playing a character, though. He's, he's being himself. Uh-huh. But it's totally like... Well, Zach Galifianakis isn't playing a character. In oh, is he not? He's just trying to be... But, himself sort of oh, thing. I thought he was playing a character. Oh, I, I might be thinking but of that, that like, other thing that um, what's his name? The, the one from uh, Step Brothers and stuff. John C. Riley. Uh-huh. He, he does a character like that that interviews people I think, uh-huh. maybe. So uh, Norm MacDonald he, he does things like he'll be in the middle of a sentence and go, oh we'll be right back like that and then the, the Interviewees just kind of going, what the fuck is going on? What's this show? But it's there's some proper laugh out loud moments. So, uh, Jeffrey Chase was on that. And what, how did he come across in that? Like a bit of an arsehole. Really? Uh, yeah. I wonder if he's it, playing up to it slightly. Yeah, I think he does. Because I used to always find him really funny in the films when I was younger. But you can see, just looking at them, he looks like one of these, <laughs> these 80s, 90s actors that was like... Probably doing some dodgy stuff behind the scenes. Like, wow. I'm not allegation. I'm not making an allegation against Chevy Chase. I certainly am not. But he kind of just overly smarmy and knows he's kind of got that attractiveness about him. Do you find him attractive? He's an attractive man. He Do looks you? a bit like Harrison Ford. Uh, he's got the same bum chin. Yeah, <laughs> but that's about it. He's got the smile though. He's got a. He's, he's got, got a twinkle in his uh, eye. A little twinkle in his eye. Yeah, he'd take you for a nice steak dinner. Before, before being a complete bastard, yeah. Before unveiling his uh, <laughs> darkest <laughs> fantasies. So he, Jerry Chase, <laughs> right? Shit. Have you got a solicitor or a lawyer or anything like that? Oh, well, I don't need one because yeah. I said he's Jesus. allegedly a bastard. I get that one from the start of Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> Just edit in allegedly. <laughs> so he is in a situation, finds himself in a situation that the result is he becomes invisible. Okay. Guess yeah, yeah. Scrapes. Sam Neill's I in I kind of guessed that from the title. Yeah. So the, basically the, the man is trying to track him down and capture him because they realise that he, he'd be a, a good tool for like the Secret Service or something well, like would that. would be, yeah. What's, what, what would be a better tool for the Secret Service than an invisible man mm-hmm. who's only got one suit that's invisible. Everything else he puts on isn't invisible. Ah, so the suit that he was I in when he turned so, invisible, man. so he's going to have to either... He's going to have to wash it Every single fucking every other day, if he sweats like I do, uh-huh. his entire suit must have been stinking by the end of that film. Oh, I could you could could you still smell him? Probably, yeah. Because he wouldn't smell be, him, like, yeah, yeah. Imagine Feel in him. this room if he, he came in, you're like, ah, it stinks in here now. Well, like, that's what that smell is, Ross. It's not uh, me. I promise, I don't smell like that. Mm-hmm. 
that's what I'm going to start doing from now on. If I'm in a situation like a lift and, and I fart <laughs> and the person goes, is that you? I go, no, just to ease the tension because this will be a lot easier than just saying, yes, it was me. I right. say, no, it's the invisible man that follows us around. Right. That'll be that better, would be absolutely terrifying <laughs> to anyone. Don't hurt me. <laughs> so it's a bit of a film, no, a sort of film with the narration that he does all the way through it. Okay. Uh, it's a a bit like in a Max Payne game almost, you know, how he narrates Aye, sort yeah. of thing. Uh, Saul's brother from Better Call Saul, he's in it. And is what about this, right? So, you know, Chuck from Better Call Saul. Yeah. He's in it. He's mm. a very young version of himself because it was the past. But he, his brother in the film is called Chuck. Oh, oh. Do you know he's in Spinal Tap? Yeah, ah, yes, that's right. Fantastic. Mm, class movie. Suck my love, pump. Mm-hmm. Daryl <laughs> Hannah, in my opinion, is the definition of a handsome woman. It is kind of sex appeal. She's just, she's sort of, like, she's like, a, <laughs> she's <laughs> like really sexy, but she's almost a bit masculine. Uh, but like so like I say like the definition of a handsome woman okay she was powerful <laughs> bottom half fish mm-hmm. um yep yeah, very different to almost everything else he has made I wrote that down okay just in case you want to say that just in case you don't believe yeah. us uh Sam Neil yeah okay some of the practical effects were cool like the building at the start that he's in mm-hmm. parts of it have become invisible parts haven't so you've got like a corner of the room they've made the set mm-hmm uh, and it's just hanging there in the corner, which looks pretty That's cool. That's pretty good, yeah. yeah it's nice. Um, there was a taxi scene as well where he has to get a taxi somewhere, but he's invisible, so he, he knocks somebody out and drags him into the taxi, and then he's moving his mouth to try and talk and stuff. That's That's got some funny elements to it. Just a bit of fun, Ross. It's just a little it's bit of fun. It's just a bit of fun. I believe the special effects were actually quite groundbreaking. Oh, groundbreaking. Uh-huh. Especially the bit where he unwraps his head. Like, that must have been, at the time, probably quite difficult to do, CGI-wise. Mm-hmm. But some of the effects, like the video I sent you of him when he's skiing. I couldn't even make out what the fuck was going <laughs> on there. Daryl Hannah takes his uh, mask down from uh-huh. the bottom and puts his hat up. But then it's obvious that it's just a mannequin without a head because it's sort of rocking slightly, like like a human wouldn't. And uh-huh. just, like, pretending to kiss it and stuff. Oh, it must have been awful to act that. But, you know, Daryl Hannah, she's a professional. She's a masculine type of woman. She's a handsome... Handsome Woman. The Silence of the Hams, 1994. Not he heard was, of No. He was an actor, a trench coat, trench coat man, and gimp. It's apparently a, a satirical comedy that parodies The Silence of the Lambs. Right. It's a Italian, Italian-American Italian cast. Mm-hmm. I am going to go out on a limb and say that that's fucking shit. Mm-hmm. So I, don't I, I don't think you're being that controversial by saying that. No. Any listener want to tell will otherwise, mm-hmm. feel free. Do you think at Nylon probably likes that? I don't know why. I just do think he. I think it's one of his favourites from his childhood, and we've just. I'm not getting into this. No. Sorry, mate. If I don't know, let me know if you like. Although, that did film. you hear about what happened with Man of War recently? No. The guitarist has been done for uh, enjoying indecent Operation material. Utrecht. It's kind of that. Oh sort my of god. Thing. Moving swiftly on. In the mouth of madness, 1994, director composer. Mm-hmm. I would say the theme to this is nothing short of pitching.
Chin. That's the way you're supposed to say it, not uh. Chin. Uh, it's a total trip of a movie from start to finish. Right. We wouldn't agree? I it? hated it. Oh, I'm not saying I liked it. I'm oh, saying it was a trip. Oh, ho. I'm it's just very it was a very HP Lovecraft about like a writer who can like um, you know change. Can I ask you a question? Uh, what the fuck was that weird monster thing from Big Trouble in China about? Which the one with the eye? Big hairy monster. No, the eye thing was pretty like the eye of the beholder oh. thing. But then there was that weird monster that looked like it was something from fucking Labyrinth. Can't remember now. It's just it just crops up and it uh, it it picks up. Kim Cattrall, one of the other ones, and carries her about at one point. Yeah. Uh, but he's just like this big, horrific. It's like he's, it's like John Carpenter had uh, yeah, this. Effect, uh, he, yeah, he had this practical effect or practical costumes effect thing lying around. He thought, oh, I've got to use this for something. Yeah. Just stuffing, it, stuffing in this for them. Weird. Getting back to the most modern so. mm-hmm. It that had some nice uh, practical effects and makeup. I thought. Um, but yes, sorry you were saying. I didn't. I thought the special effects were terrible. Yeah, me too. In fact, later on in the film, they use like the body morphing type things, like they're doing the thing. Uh-huh. It's a film that's made later, mm-hmm. but you can tell the budget and the artist, like the whoever they use for the special effects, just uh-huh. hasn't got the skill. Yeah. And it's just there's a lot of Sam Neil pretending to wake up as well. Have you yeah, noticed God, that? Yeah, oh, yeah, over and over it again. It was a dream. Uh, it's like, yes. later on in the film, and I don't think the film was film. Co- um, cor- what's what do you how do you say it when it's like like set from the start to the end they don't film movies like that chronologically yeah I don't think it was set like that uh-huh. but later on in the film there was one point where he woke up and you could tell he, he, he was sick of it he was like nom 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 you're right like you say it's like the idea of well it's like the the writer of these books and when you read the book, it drives you insane or something. Ah, like uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, there's an H.P. Lovecraft book like that, right? I think a uh, short sto- story. Mm-hmm. And the way the monsters look, kind of look like that sort yeah. of thing. Vigo the Carpathian was one of the guys storming the church at one point you know, oh. from Ghostbusters too. Ah, oh, right, yeah. He was a wrestler. Him. He's mad. Actually, read about him. Yeah, he has a very unusual life. Mm-hmm. He's right? dead now, though, isn't he? I think he's passed mm-hmm. away. Yeah. But yeah, it's a strange film. It's a strange, I kind of watched it while I was doing something. I was thinking I was doing some more research for this podcast. So I was kind of half watching it. Mm-hmm. What was I doing? Oh, I was editing the Gonox player at the okay. same time as watching it. So I kind of yeah, I knew I knew what was going on, but it was just that. Village of the Damned, nineteen ninety five, made the same year. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, well, might have been made the same year, but it was released the year after. Okay. Nineteen ninety four was Mouth of Madness. Director, composer, actor. He was a man at the gas station. Or a man at a gas station. Aye. I thought this had a stellar cast. Uh, let's go through them. We've got Ali, Reeve, Hamill, <laughs> Salinger, Forsland, Pear 3. It's, it's actually Pear 3, not Pear 3. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the last three are, uh, but they popped up as I was writing these notes. Uh, there's a 1960s version. There's the Wyndham Cuckoos, is it called? It's, in, it's set in England as well, isn't it? You know the guy who made... Um... The other Triffids. Oh, yes. Forgetting his name now. It's not Windham. He is called Windham. It's not called the Windham Cuckoos. It's called the Midwich Cuckoos. Right, yes. Because I think what it means is it's like, you know, a cuckoo. Uh-huh. They, when they lay an egg, they lay eggs in other people, like That's other right. birds' nests, yes. and then kick the egg out, and That's the right. bird... Rears so, it. Mm-hmm. I've seen the British one when I was growing up. It's quite spooky. 
that's why I didn't really want to watch that one. But I watched it for the podcast, and oh. I was pleasantly surprised by it. Mm-hmm. The bit where they all get knocked out oh, yeah. is quite effective. And it's not the... great, but it's canny. I like anything like that where it's unexplained. There was a, a program called, was it Flash Forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, where everyone on a certain day passed out um, and then woke up a certain time later and everyone had visions when they were asleep. Mm-hmm. The idea was if you didn't have a vision, it meant you were going to die at right. a certain point. But that was cancelled after one series, unfortunately. It was mm-hmm. an interesting concept. In Dear the Triffids, it starts off like that where yeah. um, the comet goes over mm-hmm. and the comet, everyone who watches the comet, it blinds them. Ah, uh, right. So that's why the um, the Triffids can take over more easily. Right. Okay. But the lead character has been in hospital. Ah, a bit the, like Rick Grimes. Exactly like that. It's <laughs> a complete rip-off. 28 days later. Yeah, both of them are mm. so much of a rip-off of that mm. idea. One thing, uh, if you noticed, at the anthology tour, they showed footage of Village of the Damned. And they had all the actors, Ali, Hamill. Mm-hmm. But there was no footage of Christopher Reeve. At uh-huh. all, because we were watching it, Kelly and I, and Kelly was like, oh, I love this film, because she loves that film for uh-huh. some reason. And she was like, I'm sure Christopher Reeve was in it, but they haven't showed any footage. And he's a massive part of the film. Uh-huh. He's like pretty much the male lead. Well, he, he is the male lead. He proper goes for it in that film as well. Uh-huh. Like, he's, he's, he's acting's almost like he's on a different level. Uh-huh. I don't mean, like, much better. I uh-huh. just mean he's putting more effort in. Yeah. Because there's a scene where he's talking to his kid, uh-huh. and he knows there's something wrong with her, and uh, it was. I thought it was good. I I didn't think. It, I was put off by it being a, a remake of a yeah. film I already liked because uh-huh. that's always problematic. But yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. It's like at the start, there's this sort of um, weird shadow that goes into all these different rooms. It's like a kind of shadow passing over. So I take it that's the thing, infect, like infecting them or something like that. Or And then they all pass out after that, I think. Don't they? Something the happens day? where they all pass out, yeah. And, um, and then this, like, I don't know, they're all pregnant at the same time. Yeah, there's like 12 or 13. One of them, 12 or 8. Because there's the pair up. Uh, don't want to say too much because it's nice to watch it without knowing, but the, the babies do pair up and then there's one of them that is... Still born. died. Yeah. The, the one died, didn't uh-huh. it? But Kirstie Alley hides it away. And there's some good deaths in that film as well. Some like proper... Because the, the, the children have uh, telekinetic powers. Yeah. you call it. Yeah, just watch it. Watch it because it it's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. There's one good death at the start where they all collapse and the guy falls asleep on the grill. Yeah. <laughs> and I noticed him. I was like, is he, is he falling asleep on the barbecue there? And then you find out later. Yes, he did fall asleep on the barbecue. Um, at one point as well, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a there's a bomb in the film at one point, and the bomb has got like an alarm clock on it, and it looks like a fucking cartoon bomb, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> also, Kirstie Alley is just smoking in every single scene. Yeah, she's just standing there with like she's a so, hand like, like she's an unusual looking woman. And what was yeah. so jarring with that movie is I watched it, uh-huh. turned it off, and I watched it with my girlfriend, and I was like, "Well, what do you think of that?" And she was like, oh, "That's weird. It was all right." I'd Turned it off and she put Channel Five on, uh-huh. and it was Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah, and Kirsty Alley was in oh, Celebrity yeah. Big Brother, so it was a strange. Would you say she's a definition of a handsome woman? She's unusual looking, <laughs> I think. Speaking of unusual looking, what about Bruce Campbell in uh, Escape from LA, nineteen ninety six, oh. which was directed, written, and com- music was composed by the wonderful JC himself. 
what is with Bruce Campbell's face in that film? Like, I know that he's, yeah. it looks absolutely ridiculous. He plays a character that's uh, had loads of cosmetic surgery. Mm-hmm. He captures people in, like, does he use that body parts for other people and stuff I'll like that? I blocked this movie out of my memory <laughs> because it's bonkers. so bad. And you watched it, and all I remembered was the um, how bad the surfing scene is. So he's in a, um, <laughs> he needs to get to a place as fast as possible or something. And this guy goes, I know you can do it. Well, it's Henry Fonda, isn't it? Who's with it? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I Henry fucking Fonda, isn't it? I'm sure. Is he a massive... He's like actor. a big star, right? Eh? But he says we can... I don't know if he's outright says we can surf there. <sighs> but yeah, it's like a sewer sewer drain. Oh, it'll be one of the storm drains in LA. But guess how they do the special effects? Crap CGI. It's absolutely terrible. And then he's uh, he's racing along. He's racing this car that's driven by Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. And Steve Buscemi does like the double take when he you does, see uh... Steve Pliskin next to him on the surfboard. And I'm sure players like Dee 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 Dee. It's John Carpenter's version of that. Yes, surf guitar, which just doesn't fit at all. It's just awful. It's one of the. It's got to be one of the worst scenes in movie or worst stroke best scenes in movies. It's the same sort of concept, though. He needs to. um, Well, actually, Ellie Island. That's where it's set. Mm -hmm. Following an earthquake that splits it off from the mainland in in the year 2000. Uh, Sent there when citizenship expires. It's actually set in 2013, so when your citizenship expires, you get sent to oh, the prison yeah. island of LA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I put, I thought the effects weren't too bad for an 80s movie. Then I realised it was actually made in 1996. <laughs> um, Kurt Russell, has, you know what's one thing about Kurt Russell? He's got a beautiful head of hair. I um, love Kurt Russell. Oh, I think he's wonderful. class. There's wonderful. a film I think you've missed out on this list, mm-hmm. unless you get into it in your weird whatever timeline this is like running off. But there was a TV movie of Elvis... Oh, no. no I've got that uh, a TV movie of Elvis by John Carpenter uh-huh. and Kurt Russell plays Elvis. Right, okay. Okay. I'll have to check that one out. Is it a bit like... Uh... Bubba Hota? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a Tool song in the soundtrack for Escape from Elliot. Oh, is there? Yeah. Um, we've talked about the plastic surgery bit of Bruce Campbell. So, so mad. And there's a... Oh, there's a bit where he's got to play basketball to, uh, to live. Mm-hmm. He's got to score tries, are they called in basketball, I'm not sure. He's got to score shots backwards right. and forwards uh, on a time limit. Otherwise, he just gets shot in the head by some fucking sniper, like, which was kind of mad. So, yeah, um, awful movie. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're passing into that kind of era, aren't we? Speaking of awful movies, Vampires 1998, directed by and composed the music for. We talked about that in the Vampire special last year. We're yeah, not going to talk about it anymore. Fans. Go back to it and listen to it. Ghosts of Mars, 2001, (laughs) directed, written, uh, composed the music for. Let's read this. Now, I can't can't remember. I did read this when I wrote it down, but I'm not sure if this made the film sound good or shit. Let's find out. Set in the second half of the 22nd century, Mars has been 84% terraformed. (laughs) 84% terraformed. Uh Allowing humans to walk on the surface without pressure suits. Martian society has become matriarchal, with women in most positions of authority. That's great. That's I, I like that. I like societies like that. Personally, Ross, what do you think? About I that? have no feeling on it for plus or minus. Okay. The story concerns police officer Lieutenant Melanie Ballard, who was sent to remote mining outpost to transport prisoner James Desolation Williams. 
Arriving at the remote mining town, Ballard and her team find all of the people missing. She learns that they had discovered an underground doorway created by an ancient Martian civilization. I didn't start with this accent, did I? No, you've uh, gone it, morphed into it. You've terraformed into it. I'm going to finish this off with a different accent. Okay. When the door was opened, that's the same accent, it released disembodied spirits or ghosts, <laughs> inverted commas, which took possession of the miners. That's my nose, not my nose. Right. So, ghosts of Mars, basically, the miners have been taken over by ghosts, and I would imagine they're like zombies, are there? I think I've seen this, and I remember even when I watched it, probably about 10 years ago, I think I might have rented it from Blockbuster. It's around about the same time I rented, uh, what's that one about the monkeys? Planet of the Apes. All right. So, um, Marky Mark Wahlberg. And the DVD didn't work properly. That was disappointing. Oh. I'd, I'd made me hot dogs and everything. So I, was, I went through this phase of making really nice, uh, well, just hot dogs. I went really nice hot dogs. Getting some chilli, heating it up, putting the chilli on top, and then sitting down with a blockbuster movie like that. Mm-hmm. So I had it all set up and uh, the film didn't work. What a, so what a shame. So yeah. I think you said, actually, I remember renting uh, Planet of the Apes. Did you? And the end didn't work. Like, it, it chewed the tape up. Did we? Ha- I oh, had a you video. video VHS, it chewed yeah. it up, right? It's a big bitter, Max. And when I took it out and I managed to get it all, like, I, I managed to Unspooled. fix the tape. And, I mean, this was, like, hairy because I didn't want to be mm. hairy. <laughs> Planet of the Apes. Because of the apes. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but then when I put it in, can you remember the end of Planet of the Apes? That, um, it's a time travel thing, isn't it? Or something? Or... Yeah. The So this is the Marky Mark one that... Yes. Um, the very end is, ego- so in the original spoiler, I'm sorry. Oh, what a film! You know you blew it up, goddamn yeah. it! And you see the Statue of Liberty, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the remake, he he finds himself, and you know the famous um, statue of Lincoln. Oh yes, it's but a he's monkey. got a monkey's head, and yes. it's just so shit. Yes, that's right. And I remember fixing it, desperate uh-huh. to see the end, and uh-huh. and also a bit worried that I, I, you know, the tape was still okay. Mm-hmm. And then that came on. That makes no, that makes no sense at all. It so what does he travel yeah. to an alternate reality or something? It doesn't make any sense. That's the shit. whole point of it. It's total crap. Speaking of total crap, actually, I don't know. I've never seen this film. Vampires Los Muertos, two thousand and two. He was a producer. Ah, uh-huh. mate, this is gonna. You're gonna enjoy this. Mm. Okay, ready? It is a sequel. To the 1998 film Vampires. I've heard enough. No, not quite yet, because this next line is <laughs> this next line is a killer. Okay. And stars John Bon Jovi. Oh, God, no. And he's in the role of a vampire hunter. Oh. The film is written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who? The film is not a direct sequel, but takes place within the same universe as the first film. The film is executive produced by John Carpenter, who directed the original film. Mm-hmm. The film, why does it say the film at the start of every single sentence? Mm-hmm. It's uh, followed by a sequel, Vampires The Turning, 2005. God, I didn't know there was so many. I don't know if that uh, stars John Bon Jovi. <laughs> John mm-hmm. Bon Jovi. Uh, the film begins with a man on the streets looking for a prostitute. We've all been there. When he finds one, the man pulls out a razor and threatens the woman. Derek Bliss, that's John Bon Jovi, then comes up and points an odd-looking gun at his left temple. After the man backs away, the prostitute thanks Derek. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> and, th- <Derek. laughs> and asks if she can do anything for him. 
I bet she's a little bit suggestive when she says that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he turns the gun on her and shoots her with three stakes. And it is revealed that the prostitute was a vampire. I see. Derek drags her to an abandoned car lot, rapes her... <laughs> oh, no, sorry. And cat and watches her catch fire in the sunlight while filming it on camera. So he's into that sort of shit. And probably smoking a cigarette. That sounds class, cool, actually. Yeah. I might watch it. <laughs> That's Vampires Los Muertos. Uh-huh. The Fog, 2005. He was a producer. Yeah, just a remake. remake of the original. Yeah. Fuck it. The Ward, 2010. Director. Hard to get. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to get it. Or understand or find. Find? I right. haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. So. But I heard it was mediocre and it's like about a tenner to buy. So I thought, no, that's not happening. It's about... It's about a tenner to buy. It's about a tenner to buy? Yeah. A tenner. It's not going to happen, is it? I spent five ninety nine on uh, Big Trouble in Little China last night, though. Oh. So we now have it on Amazon Prime forever. Mm. Do you, you want to watch Big Trouble in Little China? I've got it. I don't it like on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Amazon Prime and chill. <laughs> so the film, The Ward, is a period piece set in 1966. Period piece? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Chronicles, I always think of period pieces as being like Pride and Prejudice and stuff. Yeah, well, mm. it, that's... That's your prejudice. <laughs> oh! And I have great pride in showing you you have that prejudice. Let's move on. You've just took this podcast to the next level with that. Have that I? was That was almost... That sounded like it was scripted. I promise it, it wasn't. Was. It was like a was... Chanda Bing-esque put down, Bing. and I hate Chanda Bing. That was really good. And Chronicles... I've belittled it, though, haven't I? I yeah, that. that's your defence mechanism. Condescending. Yeah. That's your shield of condescending. <laughs> <laughs> It uh, chronicles a young woman who is institutionalised after setting fire to a house and who finds herself haunted by the ghost of a former inmate at the psychiatric ward. It was his last directorial... directorial it was, yes. You know? uh, who's, who knows, he might do Dead Space. No, never seen it. Maybe we should make that a mission to find it and mm-hmm. uh, watch it together. And, yeah, maybe, yes. And I can talk all the way through it and irritate the shit out of yeah. it. If anyone's seen it... They can write into the podcast. How would they do that? We don't need to recap that. People, people know <laughs> how. So was that the end of that segment and John Carpenter in general? Well, I've put yeah. So having heard the list, which is your favourite of his movies? Well, covered that. I know you did it again. Uh, sorry yeah, about well, that. No, just, that's quite all right. Yeah. Which was your favourite? The thing as well. Mine's probably Vampires Lost in Warpost. <laughs> it is probably the thing. Yeah. I have a soft spot for Halloween and um, Assault on Precinct 13, but I yeah. don't think they're quite as good as the thing. I mean, you didn't like Halloween, so... Yeah, I didn't like Halloween. Sorry. That's fine. You're entitled to an opinion. I do like The Fog. I think The Fog is a good film as well. Mm-hmm. And, but the thing is just... It's just it's more perfect. It's more rounded. Isn't it's... it? That's what I like. That's what I like, you know, where something feels like a complete package. We've discussed this before. And that's what the thing feels like. It's just a really well-produced, put-together story. Mm-hmm. The effects, the direction, the actual, the like, even just the artwork. Yeah. It's just, it's got a story to it. There's more lore. It leaves it open on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. And the game was class. Yeah, it was a successful Moment of success. Uh-huh. Is, is there any other films that we haven't mentioned? I don't think so. No. You, you said the Elvis one. Fantastic. Well, hey, Ross, thanks for sticking with us. No bother. During that, uh, that, that movie segment for John Carpenter. And JC, if you're listening, we salute you.
Okay, we've done it. We've, we've, fin- we've finished uh, part two of episode 40. Cool. 40 episodes, mate. 40 episodes. Yeah. Three plus years. Well, just over three years. Before we go, though, Ross, mm-hmm. have you got a Sensi Soaks update? I have, yeah. Get in. Because I know that uh, we've, been, we've had quite a few tweets from people wondering how you're getting on managing Motley Pool. People you've made up again. Uh, so, last, previously on Sensible Saga. <laughs> I should have a theme tune. I don't say that. Sensi Soaks, Sensi Soaks, Sensi Soaks, Sensi Soaks. So, last uh, time I'd got promoted. So, I had me problem of, I think I had... I don't know how much money I had now. I had like an all right amount of money. Uh-huh. So I set about to buy uh, two. I got two players. I got Sean Flynn, who's a right winger. Oh, he's good him. He's fast, right? Yeah. But his control is terrible. His control is terrible, yeah. yeah. And Stuart Macy, oh, who's Stuart an attacker, Macy, yeah. uh-huh. who's meant to be fast. Yeah, he's meant to be, yeah. But he's not. He's not fast, no. His finishing's good, though. It's, I've heard his finishing's pretty good. Right. I've been... <laughs> Stop that now. <laughs> Put that little toy away. <laughs> I've been messing around with changing formation. I've tried four, uh, three, four, three, mm-hmm. and three, five, two. Right. Which, to be honest with you, if you think about it, that's pretty stupid on my behalf because my main problem is letting letting in goals at the minute. Right. So you need to do like I one, need one, one, ten. <laughs> the problem with that is um, you only allowed eleven players, so you couldn't do that. One ten. What I thought you said one one ten. Oh, I did, but that was just me sort of, uh, just the way I speak. <laughs> All right, sorry, I, I'm sorry to bring... No, the other one... That. <laughs> the other one was the ref. Okay. Yeah, bribe. Why are you bring him outside? Get him on your Oh, side. well, that's a good plan. <laughs> Actually, you could bribe the ref in the original speedball. Not oh, in speedball really? Too. Yeah. Ah. So, uh, yeah, I'm having trouble in me league, to be honest with you. What league in? I'm in... The old Division, division 2 now. <sighs> I'm not doing very well. I'm 16th and I've played 14 games. What's the expectation of the manager? Of the uh, owner, sorry? I don't know. He only just gives you a letter at the end of the season. Yeah, you know, I, up and do, down season. That's why you probably say that again. Up and down season. Uh, could do better. See yeah. me after class. Uh, that's, a, that's a call back to early on. So, um, in the cup, I played West Brom, which was... Uh, which was a relief considering both cups last season. I played Newcastle, yeah. who destroyed us. Mm-hmm. But West Brom beat us six two. Wow! And then when I played them again, I beat them two 0 huh? I went on a nice, a, a sort of all right run. Uh-huh. But and I thought, oh, I've. It's when I changed my formation. I thought I've sussed it now. I'm doing all right. Yeah. And then I felt a bit. Mm. I've you've got to be. You've got to be dynamic, Ross. If I can give you one tip when it comes to uh, football, because mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a football kind of guy be more but be more dynamic okay yeah i'll write that down try 110 110 <laughs> you can make custom formations well, so go. i could do that or 191 can i tell you something else an interesting fact about this game yes please the the computer never gets red cards ever really? Really? it's like impossible that's not fair is and it? a call back to when i was mentioned we play i played on the master system mm-hmm all the players were the same colour and had the same hair. Mm. See, it was a different time. On the on the Amiga, <laughs> you can put different... Like, me, me Keeper, for instance, mm. who's shit, uh-huh. has ginger hair. 
Oh, well, is he not wearing a cap because he used to wear caps? That's. Has he got gloves? Maybe I wear... should purchase him some gloves. They never used to wear gloves. In fact, to be honest with you, next time I get some money, I think I need to buy a keeper. The problem with the keepers is I don't know where to start, really, like looking for a keeper. Tall. Aye, tall, yeah. <laughs> got two arms. Yeah. <laughs> a passion for saving balls. <laughs> the thing is, is I, I know in my mind some really good keepers from that period. Right. But I can't afford them, and I don't think they would come to the club anyway. Right. Not in the second division where I'm getting hammered and stuff. You never know till you ask. No, oh, yeah. Send them a letter saying. Is I that what your dad I... give you the tips with asking <laughs> women out? You never yeah. know until you ask, son. Never know until you've pestered them for over the course of twelve months. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, I'm the manager of Hartlepool. I've had an up and down season. <laughs> <laughs> you may have heard of me. My name is Rot Blood. <laughs> so that's basically the Sensi Soaks uh, update. Oh well, thank you very much for uh, sharing that. We're, we're all on, on ten tenter hooks. I think what I want to get from this season is just stay up. Yeah. <laughs> just stay up. Safety. That's what it's got to be sometimes, isn't it? Mm. Well, that's it. Fantastic. We're all done. Thank you. Next episode, that'll be our traditional Xmas special, as yeah. some people say. Christmas. It's going to feature our first visit to Lair 3.0. Oh, yeah. What could that mean? We're going to meet a very special guest, guys. Say no more at this point. Mm-hmm. That's something for you to look forward to over the next month and wonder what it could be, yeah. who it could be, where it could be. People could be scared that we're just going to rock up at their house. That's part of it. Like, flashier, like a surprise. Yeah, like some sort of horrific surprise. <laughs> Are you surprised, pet? Did you expect to see us? Yes. Uh, that's it. Ross, any, anything in closing? Yeah, just one thing. I've found a new YouTube channel that I really enjoy called Snares Drunk. Yes, you shared a couple of videos. It's He's really good. Really good. Yeah. I was coming back from somewhere and I was hungover and I watched like about 20 of them. Uh-huh. He's... He actually plays, he, he does very short videos about um, a particular game on the snares mainly, but he does play games drunk as well. Right. I didn't watch them much, because, yeah. uh, but I might. <laughs> but I <laughs> recommend so. that to people. I uh, I, shared, I enjoyed the ones you shared with us. I liked his little, he does like a little uh, snares drunk sort yeah. of thing at the start of them. It's cool. Alright, check that out. Uh, from me, now really, see you later, and thank you very much for listening to Gone Playlist.
もう質問あるんですよ。ねえ、質問あるんですよ。もう、グッ、I would like someone to fucking write in and say that to us. Because I don't hear anything from hardly anyone else. There's the core people that I like, right?、Yeah. But apart from that, there's any fuck I get in t o u c h There's the core people that I like. Yeah. <laughs> When I have that purge. <laughs> oh, bless them all. <laughs> bless all of our stupid motherfucking listeners. <laughs>